You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Um, today's title is Five Lies About Being Filled with the Holy Spirit. I think this is really going to help a lot of people because once I understood these truths, which are the opposite of these five lies, things got a lot easier. And once you understand who the Holy Spirit is, how he works, how you receive him, how he stays, the difference in what happened. Good morning, Amber. Uh, good. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, the difference of what happened before the cross and after the cross with the Holy Spirit. This is all going to make a lot of sense. All right. So I think it's really going to help you out. All right. So in just in case you are new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Check them out if you get some time. Now, if you have read any of my books, please go back to Amazon and leave me a quick review. I would greatly appreciate that. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. <laughs> Love you guys. Uh, go back and leave me a review on Amazon if you've read any of my books. I would greatly appreciate that. I also have a podcast. So be sure to check out my podcast. I'm recording the latest episode live on Instagram. The name of the podcast is Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. I was talking to Jennifer the other day she, and she said, how did this walk talk thing start? Because we were talking about uh, some statistics from this past year of, of my walk talks. And, um, you know, it really just started out as a casual live I was doing um, two or three years ago. And I just wanted to begin integrating some video with some audio into my ministry because I had already written seven books. I had a social media ministry. So it was just something casual. And then it turned into a uh, an ongoing thing. And then I had some requests for people to be able to go back and listen. So I decided to put it on a podcast. So you can listen to every single one of my walk talks if you want to. Just search Walk Talks with Matt McMillan on every major podcast platform. I think I can help you out. And when I say I think I can help you out, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you understand who you are and who Jesus is and who you are together. That's the sweet spot of life. All of the trying hard, all of the putting God first gets put aside. You trust hard and you understand that God put you first because of Jesus. These truths are not popular. The popular truth, the popular thing is not truth, which is effort, which is trying. We have to go from a state of effort and trying to resting and trusting. That's the life that we live. And from that state of rest, we organically bear good fruit. Okay. It's a strange paradox, but Listen to my past walk talks. I think I can help you out. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, pause the podcast, go to the show notes, sign up for my free daily devotional. Um, there's a link in the show notes. Also, leave me a quick review for the podcast. Those are very encouraging as well. Here's another thing. I'm not a pastor. <laughs> I get called Pastor Matt all the time. I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. The word pastor in scripture is only used once in the New Testament epistles in Ephesians chapter 4. And we see no list of qualifications, no list of duties, no list of anything of what we see today. And if you want to know how we got to this man-made position of a king in a church named Pastor, 
it's because of man-made tradition and I dive deep into that in a lot of my past walk talks. So go to my YouTube channel, search the word pastor, search tradition. Um, I think I can help you out. This is no disrespect. This is really helping you unearth your freedom in even greater ways, okay? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, if you wanna contact me, please don't message me on social media. I will be glad to interact with you. Thanks, Amber. I will be glad to interact with you. I can't keep up with the comments when I'm talking. I don't have that ability. I used to try when I first started out my walk talks and I learned once I start the walk talk and I start talking, stop reading the comments because I lose my train of thought and then I want to talk about what's in the comments. Good morning, Donnie. So um, that's why I don't interact with you guys except for in the beginning and at the very, very end. <laughs> and that's if I got a couple seconds to spare. Um, but if you want to contact me, don't message me on social media. Go to my website, go to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. Okay, so let's get to today's walk talk. Also, if you're new to my ministry, that's the cue that I'm past my introduction. I'm getting ready to start with the actual message of the walk talk. In case you're listening in the future, you want to skip through because I say the same thing. <laughs> nearly every, it's nearly verbatim. You could probably mouth the words I'm saying by now <laughs> if you've listened to it long enough. All right, five lies about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you what these five lies are, and then we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to the Bible. We're going to read the Bible in context based on what Jesus did. <laughs> okay? That's how we're supposed to read it from Genesis to Revelation. All right. Now, um, the first lie is you receive a second dose of the Holy Spirit when you are baptized in the Spirit. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. And again, I'm going to tell you what these five lies are. And I typically will do bullet points just because this is really simple for me to remember. So let me tell you what the five lies are. Then I'm going to go over each five, okay? So the first lie about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one, you receive a second dose of the Holy Spirit when you are baptized in the Spirit. <laughs> And I grew up in some Pentecostalism, so I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, speaking in tongues is proof that you have received the Holy Spirit. I know. Pump your brakes. <laughs> and we'll talk about it. All right. Number three, Ephesians chapter five says you have to be repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, that's number three, the third lie. Ephesians chapter five says you have to be repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I know, I get it. <laughs> when you hear new stuff, you're like, hold on a second, move. Oh, oh, my pastor said, what Bible you got? Oh, my Bible says this. Oh, what Bible? Oh, that's why my, we stand on the word. Just give me a minute. <laughs> I apologize for my impersonations as well ahead of time. This is no disrespect. <laughs> It's just, this is how I've heard it for years, still hear it. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about this, okay? This repeatedly being filled with the Holy Spirit according to Ephesians chapter 5. When you, when you don't hear something new, but you hear the same thing for a long time, it's difficult to hear something new. I get it. Totally get it. But you know, if in your toolbox you only have hammers, <laughs> everything's going to look like a nail, 
I'm going to give you some new tools, <laughs> maybe a screwdriver, maybe some pliers, something new to think about. Okay, so this is going to just give you some new thoughts based on what I have learned so far, based on my study of scripture, based on what Jesus accomplished. All of this is going to go back to Jesus at the end of this walk talk. <laughs> okay, typically when you disagree with this, what I, I am saying, it's because you are ignoring something that Jesus has done. Or you're, you're downplaying it. So we're going to get it into that. Okay, number four. The fourth error, and again, I'm going to talk about these in great detail. I'm telling you what they are at first. The fourth lie about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be saved, but you still need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's the fourth lie. You can be saved, but you still got to have the anointing. You got to get the anointing. You might not be getting it like that, <laughs> but if you are, you are, you know exactly what I'm saying. Okay. You can be saved. You, you're, you're a Christian, but you still need the anointing. Did you get the anointing? Oh, you need the anointing. <laughs> We're going to talk about that today because that's a lie. All right. And then the fifth lie, only those who are filled with the Holy Spirit can perform deliverances. Ooh, <laughs> that's a double entendre <laughs> because there's a lie inside of that lie. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about that today. I am going to have the phone super close to my face today so you get to see my cold sore scab, but it's windy and I want to make sure you guys can hear me. Um, okay, so let's, first of all, before I get into these five lies in great detail, who is, but, but before I say that, let me say this first of all. I love you, <laughs> okay? Anytime I come up with these walk talks, the entire time I'm coming up with it and I'm studying and I'm doing this and that. Used to not study much when I did the walk talks, but as time has gone on, I wanna be super thorough with these things. So when I am studying, I am thinking of everybody who is listening to this. And I'm thinking of you guys with love. So I'm never coming up with a walk talk or an idea or a thought to to have the walk talk with any type of vindictiveness um aggression it's it's all based on love so i hope you get that from my walk talks i want to be known by my love i don't want to be known by knowing absolutely everything i don't want to be known by uh whatever i want to be known at the end of the day when i am checked out and i'm gone home you're not going to remember all the details of everything I said, but I hope you remember how I made you feel and I hope you feel loved. <laughs> so when I talk about these things, I understand how man-made tradition can really be poked at when you talk about some of this stuff. Sorry, ahead of time, I'm apologizing to you because I'm not poking at you. I want you to feel loved. I am actually trying to unearth your freedom in even greater ways based on what Christ has accomplished. Okay, so I did want to say that in the beginning. Things I'm going to say right now, I've got very close friends who will disagree with some of the stuff I say. That's okay. <laughs> love them. We love each other. We agree on what Jesus has done at the cross and the resurrection. I just believe differently because of the things that I've studied, because when I come to a point of some type of bondage, I immediately begin reading that passage based on what Jesus has done. Once you begin reading passages based on what Jesus has done, 
you, you, you unearth your freedom in even greater ways. Okay, so that is what I hope you get out of this. This is not to, you know, don't send this to somebody. Oh, listen to what Matt McMillan says. Uh, you're wrong. Matt's right. Don't do that. <laughs> don't send my videos to people in order to cut the legs out from what they believe. Now, if you send it to them, you know, do it in love. Let everything you do be done in love. That's what's going to make sense to you. Okay? You can try it the other way. It's not going to make sense. <laughs> it, you, it might be a little flash in the pan <laughs> kind of fleshly um, event that happens. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, well, that was a dud. It's not for you. Okay? So when you get into these um, charismatic things, I get the charismatic group. I grew up in it. Um, I grew up in many different um, styles of religion, but you know, my immediate family practiced Pentecostalism, so I totally get it. <laughs> so I could talk about this in great ways. But I, I, I'm here to get you to understand the gospel in greater ways. All right, when you when you start talking about this stuff. I'm trying to buffer this because I'm getting ready to <laughs> really talk about some serious stuff here. But when, when I begin to talk about this stuff about the gospel, the gospel is not popular. We think it is. <laughs> but the gospel is pretty much just a little ornament on the tree of religion. Okay, I want to make the tree the gospel. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um... So before we get into these five lives, really quickly, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? Many people say, oh, he will, he will convict the world of sin. Well, that's true. But those of us who have believed are not of this world. So if you read that passage, when the Holy Spirit comes, which he has since then, he will convict the world of unbelief. Of sin, because of why? Because of unbelief. So the whole world stands convicted because of unbelief in Jesus. They're already convicted. So he is not convicting a Christian of unbelief. And unbelief is sin. So often we hear, oh, the Holy Spirit, he's just convicting me of my sin lately. I'm just really struggling with this. He's convicting me of my sin. Well, he's really not convicting you of your sin. You are not of this world. He's convicting you of your righteousness. If you continue to read in that passage, he convicts the world of sin because of unbelief, but he convicts you of your righteousness. So he, he's convicting you, yes, but he's not convicting you because of sin. He's convicting you because you're righteous. So when you're doing the thing, he's telling you, hey, that's not for you. You're righteous. When you're, when you're refusing to forgive and you're like, oh, God's not going to forgive me if I don't forgive. Well, he doesn't talk to you like that. He talks to unbelievers like that. He, could, he talks to you in a loving way. He's convicting you of your righteousness. He's saying, you, you need to forgive them because I've forgiven you. <laughs> Forgiveness makes sense to you. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> Set healthy boundaries. Move forward. Okay, so he's convicting you of your righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts you of your righteousness. The Holy Spirit convicts you of your righteousness. All right. He, he's not playing good cop, bad cop with God. <laughs> if you see Jesus, you see the Father. 
and Jesus is the fleshly version of the Holy Spirit, Paul calls the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. So if you want to know how the Holy Spirit interacts with you, if you want to know how he interacts with unbelievers, if you want to know how he interacts with people who are trusting in their own works-based righteousness, look at how Jesus interacted with people. That's how the Holy Spirit interacts with people. That's how the Holy Spirit interacts with you. So if you are confused as to who the Holy Spirit is, look at Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit in spirit form. I know it's not exactly like that because you cannot explain the Trinity in human words. But the, the mystery of who the Holy Spirit is, is over because of Christ. Okay? Now, um, the Holy Spirit also impregnated Mary. Okay? So that's how we know that Jesus is both born of a woman and of God. So he, he, Jesus is the divine supernatural seed of the Holy Spirit. My point here is, if you want to know more about the Holy Spirit, don't think that he is nebulous. He walked this planet. He died for your sins. He became sin so you could become righteous. Yes, it is Jesus. Yes, it is the Word. <laughs> yes, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. But I, I wanted to say this before I began because many people are confused as to who the Holy Spirit is. But Jesus personified him. Okay, now, um, let's talk about real quickly before I get into these five, the differences in the Holy Spirit before and after the cross. So we see the Holy Spirit <laughs> come and go all the time before the cross. You know, he, he came on people for divine acts. He, he, he was with people to protect them. He was in the fire uh, he, he, he helped Samson kill all the people and ultimately commit suicide. There's no way to get around that. You know, he helped David. He uh, slayed Goliath. He's, he, the Holy Spirit is eternal. He didn't just get here. Okay. But the Holy Spirit is holy. <laughs> so before the cross, the Holy Spirit came and went. We see David say, oh, Holy Spirit, or God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Begging God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Why? Because he was doing all the sinning. <laughs> you know, so often we think today that the Holy Spirit comes and goes. That's not the case. Before the cross, he did. I'm going to pause right here for dramatic effect. <laughs> Because the Holy Spirit does not leave you ever. Why? The cross. Yeah, but I'm sinning. The cross. Yeah, it's a lot of sin. The cross. Oh, you're just not the cross. Just does not compute. There's got to be some type of. Nope, there's not. You have to deal with the permanency of the Holy Spirit in you. Because here's the thing. 
if you think that you're sinning less or littler <laughs> or not as bad, no. Every sin deserves death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. So you would have to perform some type of sacrifice. Do you see how you would just have to ignore the death of Jesus? So Jesus died, okay? That's the reason why the Holy Spirit doesn't leave. If you think that you received the Holy Spirit and then because you did a bunch of bad stuff, he left, you have not been taught about the cross. Or you have been taught about the cross in a very erroneous theology. The cross is of no value to who taught you. So I'm going to teach you about the truth of what Christ accomplished. The reality is he died. He dealt with the sin of the world. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive all of him in full. You're sealed up with his spirit, never to leave again. You don't have to beg him to come back. You don't have to try to get closer. You don't have to draw near to God. You do not do any of those things whom you are one spirit with. Figure out a different reason to repent out of a sinful action or attitude rather than think the Holy Spirit's going to come back when you do. That would be ignoring the blood of Jesus. Drinking a lot, sleeping around, got a foul mouth, looking at the porn. You look into your good behavior for righteousness. You look into your giving for righteousness. You look into your seminary degree, your amazing theology, the degree on your background behind you and the TikTok. The way you can just set everybody's straight on your TikTok account and you get thousands of views. That what you're doing to get him to come back? No. He joins you once because of the cross. We're going to get into that in these five, okay? So just real quickly, I wanted to really emphasize the difference in the Holy Spirit before the cross and after the cross. He's holy. He could not join anybody permanently. He was on people, with people. Jesus even breathed the Holy Spirit on people before the cross. And then he left. He left. He left. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, the first event of the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Shoot. In you. Permanently. It had not happened before. Why? Because the sin of the world had not been dealt with. The sin of the world get, gets completely dealt with at the cross. But not just that. <laughs> you got the resurrection. The resurrection gives you new life. The resurrection gives you righteousness. So two sides of the coin of the gospel, the cross, the resurrection. This is the reason why the Holy Spirit will join you once and never to leave again. So before the cross came and went, after the cross, I will never leave you or forsake you. Even when you are faithless, I will remain faithful. You are one spirit with the Lord. You have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The only way you could possibly come up with this not being true is if you overlook what Jesus accomplished at the cross and through the resurrection. That would be the only way. Okay? You would be making a bigger deal out of sinning than you ever do out of the Savior. 
So here, here's something that, you know, I, I was on a podcast, uh, well, we recorded it last month, but this month it was, um, <laughs> it was live. It's called Death to Life Podcast. And the whole theme of this podcast is your testimonial, okay? And I made very, very clear, and I was going to make this very clear from the beginning. I had been saved from the time I was a little boy and I believed, at that time, the Holy Spirit joined me, never to leave again. So this theme of, well, you did a bunch of bad stuff, so then he came back, or that was when you got life. Nope, I was saved. <laughs> and you can see how my life was not going so great when I was ignoring this. But I didn't stop the, the stuff or start the stuff to get the Holy Spirit to come back. He was already in me. <laughs> so many Christians are just confused. You know, and towards the end, you know, uh, I, you know, I kind of <laughs> gently made that point. I hope it was respectful. I think it was respectful. But many Christians, they think that they stopped doing the bad stuff. So then they got the spirit back. You didn't. <laughs> death is required. And you're going to do more bad stuff. And more death is going to be required. You're not drawing near to God. That's what unbelievers do before salvation. <laughs> You're not calling God down into this place. He's in you. You walked into the place with him in you. Okay? Why? Jesus! <laughs> All right? All right, let's get into these five. So five lies about being filled with the Spirit. Number one. Hope you guys are enjoying this. It is freaking cold out here. <laughs> and um, if you don't know me, I hate cold <laughs> oh just a little uh personal note jennifer and i fight over the thermostat all winter long <laughs> i want it on 70 she wants it on 66 so here i am out here doing a walk talk and uh my hand is a piece of ice that is holding this phone and i'm not as on point with a lot of the stuff i say because I know in the middle of the summer, I'm just like a, a bee in a beehive. And I'm just like, yeah, this is great. I, you know, but during the winter, man, I really, <laughs> you guys, you know, I, I love you guys. Just put it that way. <laughs> uh, okay. Number one, the first lie. You receive a second dose of the Holy Spirit when you are baptized in the Spirit. <laughs> So this entire mantra of receiving a second dose of the Holy Spirit did not even begin until the year 1901. The Pentecostal movement, which started, they began to teach a doctrine. And I'm going to be respectful today. <laughs> That's why I'm pausing. <laughs> they began to teach a doctrine which attempts to make people believe an event has to happen for you to receive a second dose of the Holy Spirit. You got the Spirit, but you got to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Do you see where that is? So, first of all, let's, uh, and again, I know this is going <laughs> to upset some people. I love you if you're just joining me. This is not to disrespect you. Okay, but here's what Paul said in, in the book of Galatians. You receive the Spirit by hearing with faith. 
That's how you receive the Spirit. This is why it's so important to preach the gospel. Because once people understand the gospel, they're hearing it, they're believing with faith. At that time, they receive the Spirit in full. Okay, no. so where are we coming up with this, a second dose of the Spirit? I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But we also want to look to Romans chapter 8. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, He who does not have the Spirit does not belong to the Lord. Okay, so Galatians, you receive the Spirit by hearing with faith. You heard about Jesus, you believed it, you received the Spirit. Your old self dies, you're crucified on the cross with Jesus, buried in the tomb with Jesus, resurrected and fully united with the Lord. Romans chapter 6, Galatians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. Okay? Now, if you have received the Spirit, and if you don't have the Spirit, you don't belong to the Lord, how are we chopping this up? scripture out of context. So the primary passage that they will go to is Acts chapter 19. They will say there were some disciples who already had the spirit, but then received the dose, (laughs) which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then they began to prophesy and speak in tongues. All right. Now, I'm going to pause right here because i got to change hands. This hand is frozen. If you're listening on the podcast, I apologize. I know that's gross. All right. So we got Acts chapter 19 and those who believe. Now, here's another thing because I grew up. Acts chapter 19. I, I grew up in this, so I understand how. Sorry if it's just the bottom of the phone. I'm trying to put the hand towel on here. I know it's not a professional studio style, but it's good enough. All right. Um. So typically when they go to Acts chapter 19 and they want to pull this out and say, no, they were Christians and they received a second dose of the Holy Spirit. Once Paul laid his hands on them, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were disciples. That's the word they go to, disciple. The word disciple, get this. (laughs) This will really help you out. The word disciple does not always mean Christian. Okay? Sorry. Bear with me, guys. One of those days. Okay. The word disciple does not always mean Christian. Okay. A disciple, the very definition of a disciple, is a student or a follower or one who learns from another and assists in spreading the doctrine of a political party, an individual, a group, or a school. Okay, that's what a disciple is. A disciple is not always a Christian, according to the Bible. Okay, disciples, <laughs> there are disciples in cults. David Koresh has had disciples. There's John the Baptist had disciples. A disciple is simply somebody who believes something and then assists in spreading that belief based on that doctrine. And a doctrine is simply a set of beliefs. Okay, so in Acts chapter 19, when Paul approached these disciples, these were not disciples of Jesus Christ. These were not disciples in any Christian way. So who were these disciples of? They were disciples from the synagogue. If you keep reading in Acts chapter 19, you will see that they came from the synagogue. What was being taught at the synagogue? The law. (laughs) Even today, you go to any synagogue, it's the law. It's the Torah, the Talmud. 
You got all these things that are being taught at the synagogue. So you got these disciples who Paul had just rolled into Ephesus. He spent more time at Ephesus than any other city. And you've got, he had two different groups he was battling in Ephesus. The Jews at the synagogue. And you can see, if, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but you can see in Acts chapter 19, after he went into Ephesus, he went to the synagogue, they stirred up trouble for him and he left. But there was also the temple of Artemis, which is also known as the temple of Diana. So you got this big, huge pagan temple in Ephesus. Then you got the synagogue. That's what they were being taught at. Okay. So, and I don't want to get off track here because I can do a full walk talk on that. But if you want more on what was going on in Ephesus, read all of Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 20, and read the book of First Timothy and 2 Timothy to finish it up. There were things going on in Ephesus which were steeped in Judaism, endless genealogies, things that were opposing the gospel. And so when Paul rolled into Ephesus, these disciples had not heard about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that's not taught in the law. You'd, they said they had heard about John the Baptist's baptism. What was John the Baptist's baptism? A repentance towards the law. <laughs> you, do, you need to do a better job of obeying the 613 commandments. So they had not even heard about the Holy Spirit. So this is not somebody who was already saved, but then heard and then received a second dose. There is not a second baptism. There's not a second dose that you receive. You receive all of them by grace through faith. Again, <laughs> Paul said, you receive the spirit by hearing with faith in Galatians chapter three. In Romans chapter eight, he said, he who doesn't have the spirit does not belong to God. So Acts chapter 19 is not an event of Christian disciples receiving a second dose of the spirit. Now, it says they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna get into tongues in number two, but that is not some type of cue that you've received the spirit. And I'm going to talk about that. And the word, this is a description of an event. It's not a prescription to achieve the spirit or to receive the spirit, but it describes what happened. So you, you don't have to do this stuff. <laughs> what if you don't have a, a voice box? What if you don't have a tongue? The word prophesy means to speak. Now, what would they be prophesying about if they had just received the Holy Spirit? Jesus. So if you go back into Ephesus and you're preaching Jesus at the synagogue and they say, that's not the Messiah, you're going to have a lot of trouble. And they had trouble. And when they got the trouble, they left with Paul. <laughs> okay. So this is not a second dose of the Spirit. So just real quickly, the word baptize in scripture, we, we just jack this whole thing up <laughs> there's and i've done many different walk talks on this i've done i've written about it multiple times in my books um go to my website search the search the topics page just type in baptism water baptism speaking in tongues holy spirit or go to my youtube channel or search my podcast i've done a ton on this okay but real quickly there are two different types of baptism. There's not a second baptism. When I say there's two different types, I'm not saying you get the, you get the spirit once and then you get them again later. That's not the two different types. You got water baptism 
and you got spiritual baptism. Okay. Water baptism never achieved anybody's salvation. It was always a sign of a clear conscience towards something new that you just believed. This would be the same as going to the front of the church when they called you up front if you wanted to first believe or raising your hand in the crowd. It was a sign that I now believe this. This is why when you go to scripture, especially in the book of Acts, every, every single time somebody believed, they were immediately baptized. This is their way of saying, I now believe this. It did not achieve anything. It was an outward expression of what you had just believed. Okay? <laughs> it wasn't something where like, oh, I'm going to invite all my family and friends. It's going to be a big celebration. I'm going to make a statement of faith. Then I'm going to go down and come back up. No, it was you believe. All right, what prevents you from being water baptized? Here's a puddle on the side of the road. <laughs> Every single time. They believed the gospel. They were water baptized as a sign of a clear conscience. They were even doing this before the cross. John the baptizer. What were they believing? The law better. You guys need to do a better job of obeying the law. I will do it. Okay, down in the water. Commit yourself. Okay, get out of here. Obey the 613 better. Produce fruit and keeping up with repentance. Okay? Now... That's water baptism. Then you got spiritual baptism. Oh, yes, you're talking about the spiritual baptism, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Nope, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the word baptize means to place inside of. Let that soak in. The word baptize means to place inside of. Those who have a waterworks theology where they say water is required for salvation, they don't understand that. You know, they'll go to John chapter three and they'll say, oh no, Jesus said water and spirit. The word baptized is not there. He's talking about your new birth into the spiritual family and your physical family. He's comparing your permanency of your physical birth to the permanency of your spiritual birth. And he is actually talking about the water of him. <laughs> the very next chapter, living water will flow. <laughs> Doesn't say anything about water baptism when he's talking to Nicodemus. He's talking about being reborn. You got to be born of water and spirit, Nicodemus. He didn't get it. He's like, what do you mean? How am I supposed to go back in my mother's womb? He's talking about believing in him. So here's what happens. When you believe in Jesus, your spirit dies. You are crucified with Christ. You're buried in baptism. Okay, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, many people will go to this and say, this is water baptism. The word water is not in Romans chapter 6. It's not talking about water baptism. It's talking about your spiritual baptism. Okay? Oh no, Peter said baptism now saves you. Continue reading. <laughs> he says, this water symbolizes the baptism that now saves you. So what is it symbolizing? Your spirit being placed into the spirit of Jesus Christ. Becoming one spirit with the Lord. It's good to be water baptized, but it's not achieving anything. <laughs> oh, why did Jesus get baptized? You just said it. So Jesus needed to be saved? <laughs> oh, he said the exact. 
Okay, he, he also did a lot of other things that you don't even have the possibility of doing. So how are we going to do that? Look, Jesus was water baptized because he was fulfilling Old Testament scripture. <laughs> Matthew 3, 15, such is fitting. We got to get this waterworks theology out of the way. And the only reason why somebody would be upset about this is because they're stuck on man-made tradition. I get it. <laughs> Some people think that it didn't stick right the first time, so they got to be water baptized again and again and again and again and again. Oh, I'm going to get water baptized because I'm, I'm behaving better. Oh, I'm going to get water baptized so I can behave better. No. <laughs> water baptism is an amazing celebration. It is a sign of a, a clear conscience. If you want to do it, great. But there's no pressure coming from God. You are spiritually baptized into him immediately upon trusting him. You receive the spirit by hearing with faith. Okay? <laughs> You're not losing your faculties when you receive a second baptism. Oh, D David, dance before the Lord. Why are you just against a spirit-filled church? I'm not. <laughs> Every Christian is spirit-filled. And when David danced before the Lord, was he gyrating and barfing in a bag and being covered up with a holy hanky? <laughs> no. But we get so obsessed with everybody does it in this place, so it must be true, or it's been done like this for hundreds of years. Well, guess what? Judaism was around for 1,500 years before Jesus. Look what happened to him. Look what happened to the disciples. Tradition dies hard. <laughs> so... Water baptism is good, but you're not receiving a second dose of the Holy Spirit. Because you've already been baptized into him when you trusted in him. This is not universalism. I get accused of, oh, you're just saying everybody's just saved. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm saying the offer is on the table for salvation. Today is your day of salvation. There's too many warnings in scripture to believe. Trust him. And if you will, your old self dies, crucified, buried in baptism, and then resurrected in baptism. <laughs> you're buried in his death, and now you're buried in his life. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is beautiful, but it has nothing to do with water baptism. It has to do with your spiritual baptism. What happened to old you, and then what happened to new you? Sealed up with the Spirit. So this first permanent indwelling in Acts chapter 2 is actually prophecy being fulfilled. He will baptize you with fire. There were tongues of fire. So once the Holy Spirit joins you, you're sealed up with the Spirit. There's not a second dose. You're not doing anything to get him to stay. You're not doing anything to get him to come back. You don't have to express a supernatural gift. And I'm going to talk about the supernatural gift here in part two. Okay, but I just want you to know this lie about you receive a second dose of the Holy Spirit when you are baptized in the Spirit, that is complete error. <laughs> You're baptized in the Spirit once. All right. I'm going to walk this way to try to get away from some of this wind because I hope this isn't just too windy for you guys to be able to enjoy it. When I walk this way, so I'm in my neighborhood here. There's this, this nice little running trail that goes off into the woods here. We'll see how this does. Um, all right, number two. <laughs> the second lie about 
being filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues is proof that you have received the Holy Spirit. Now, the only way you could come up with this is if you go to the book of Acts and you begin to apply descriptive passages as prescriptive passages to believers. So the book of Acts is not a book of doctrine. It is, it belongs in the canon of scripture. Everything is right and true, but this is a recording of what happened. It's not a prescription for, it's a description of. So in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, people speak in tongues after receiving the Holy Spirit. Okay, <laughs> good. So we're going to talk about exactly what tongues is, but first of all, I just want to point out, Acts does not describe what you have to do. Again, you receive the Spirit by hearing with faith, Galatians chapter 2. That's doctrine. You do not go to a history book for doctrine. We have all the doctrine we need in the epistles. There are many things happening in the book of Acts which oppose the gospel. They were getting their theology in order. There was things happening that Paul, for example, Paul uh, had Timothy circumcised. In Galatians, he said, you foolish Galatians, because they were getting circumcised. There are things in Acts that you cannot say, this is what you must do to prove you're a Christian. That includes speaking in tongues. Those were events. Those were things that happened. Now, when you receive the Spirit, can you speak in tongues? Yes. But first of all, let's define what tongues is. I'm going to walk through this covered bridge here, so it's going to sound differently. So tongues is not unintelligible, repeated click-clack. It's not a secret angel language. The Bible tells us exactly what tongues is in Acts 2, 6 through 8. Foreign human languages we do not naturally know. <clears throat> Foreign tongues. There were many different language speakers in Acts chapter 2, and they heard the gospel in their native tongue. That's exactly what it is. There's not a different type of tongue where you're saying stuff that is unintelligible. It is always a foreign language. Always. It is an evangelistic gift. How do you think... How do you think the gospel spreads so quickly? How do you think Paul went from region to region to region telling all of these foreign language speakers about Jesus in their native tongue? Because he had the gift of speaking in tongues, in that foreign language. This is why he said, I wish all of you guys spoke in tongues. I speak in tongues more than all of you. Why would he say that? <laughs> Was he bragging? Oh, I speak in tongues all more than all of you. Daddy should have bought a Honda. Blah, blah, blah. No, none of that. <laughs> he traveled more than everybody. It's a good thing to go to a different region to tell somebody about Jesus in their language. If I don't know your language and I come into your tribe, your town, your region, and I speak about Jesus... In your language, that is going to be a sign. <laughs> Clearly, you don't know my language. Clearly, you're not from here. I should probably pay attention to what you're saying. Paul says this. 
Not everyone speaks in tongues, do they? <laughs> Not everyone speaks in tongues, but yet I got to speak in tongues in order to get a second dose of the Spirit, in order to prove I'm saved. No, no, we're not talking about you being saved, McMillan. It's just a second dose. You got to get the, you got to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then you'll be. This is the evidence. Da, la, 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 la. That did not start until 1901. The Pentecostal movement started this. Love you guys. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying this error of unintelligible language is not what tongues is. If you go to Acts chapter four, excuse me. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you will see Paul trying to wrangle tongues gone wild. There are people who have this gift, who can speak a foreign language, and all of them were doing it at once. Visitors were coming in, and they were thinking they were mad. Insane. <laughs> he says, you're only edifying yourself. We go to this and we're like, you should speak in tongues to edify yourself. And he is actually rebuking them. <laughs> he says, edification is for the church, not for you. The gifts are for the church. You don't edify yourself. I edify you. You edify me. That's what the body does. The hand assists the foot. We are a body. The liver assists the heart. So we are not, the heart doesn't edify itself. The hand doesn't edify itself. The foot doesn't edify itself. He says, don't edify yourself. Wait for somebody who can interpret this foreign language. Wait for somebody with the gift of interpretations. <laughs> you know, we've even turned this into, oh no, I speak the click clack and then we got somebody over here in the crowd and then they will say what I'm trying to say. That's error. They are interpreting that actual human foreign language. <laughs> How many times have I been in church and I hear somebody blah, 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 start this repeated click clack and I'm like, goodness, well, that sounds fancy. And then I hear somebody in the back of the room decipher it. That is error. <laughs> Complete error. You know, there was a study that was done. Somebody had gone from many different regions on the globe studying groups who spoke in tongues or claimed to speak in tongues which they were speaking what the charismatic group i love you charismatic people i'm not against that i'm still charismatic <laughs> if you can't tell but they were studying people who said this stuff that they're saying which was not foreign human languages is tongues and the study that they found out was every different region the people who were claiming to speak in tongues, they were repeating the most used syllables in that language. The Bible tells us it is foreign human languages. Acts chapter 2. You know, and we even want to go over to Romans, Romans chapter 8 right here. No, right here you can pray in tongues. Romans chapter 8 does not say to pray in tongues. I'm going to come back to that, but let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14. There were people praying in tongues, and they were being rebuked for that. Why? Why do you need to speak in a foreign language in prayer? God understands you. <laughs> You're only edifying yourself. You're saying, look at me. 
don't pray in tongues. Only God can understand you. The people around you are not going to be edified. And what would those words be focused on? Jesus, the cross, the resurrection. You're completely forgiven. You're completely righteous. You're a new creation. How are they going to be able to understand you? You're speaking German. All these people around here, they speak English. (laughs) Or you're speaking English. All these people around here speak Spanish. They don't understand you. You ever had a conversation with somebody who speaks a different language? I had somebody call my store the other day and they were speaking Spanish and they kept saying one word I could understand. And I kept saying, no habla espanol. And he's like, oh, oh, and said something. We couldn't understand each other. Now imagine you being in, imagine me being at that person's church and they're praying in tongues and I don't understand them. God understands them though. Do you see it? So you don't need to pray in a foreign language. And Romans chapter 8 does not say pray in a foreign language. It doesn't say pray in tongues. This is the Holy Spirit praying for you. You ever have those days, those weeks, those months where you don't know what to pray for? Well, it says when you don't know what to pray, he prays for you. The Holy Spirit prays for you. He is constantly interceding with the Father saying, look, get this person out of his life. Bring this person in his life. Keep this person away from him. Bring this person. Help him understand this. Help him understand that. There are so many different things that the Holy Spirit is constantly praying for you. And it doesn't say tongues. It says wordless groans. Wordless. (laughs) Wordless. (laughs) A tongue is a word. (laughs) I get it. This is heavy stuff, guys. But the reality is, speaking in tongues is not proof that you have the Holy Spirit. What is the proof that you have the Holy Spirit? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 13, realize that Christ is in you. It's a realization. Oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit's in me. Whether you speak any words ever again, a foreign language or anything, he's in me. What's more important is to speak in love than to worry about speaking in tongues. There are even schools and groups who will attempt to teach you how to speak in tongues. They will try to jumpstart you. They will hold your hands and then blah, 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 blah. And then they want you to continue You cannot teach a gift. It is a gift. You can hone a gift. Many people have given up on their relationship with God because they never did that thing. I never did that. I never got the spirit. God God just didn't care about me much or else I would see where it goes. Well, I'm here to tell you, you got all of them. And the reason why that didn't set right with you is because the Holy Spirit in you was saying, hey, you don't have to do that. (laughs) You're good. I'm here. I'm with you. Never going to leave. All right. All right. Let's go on to the third lie about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians, number three, Ephesians chapter five says you have to be repeatedly filled with the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't. (laughs) You're just reading it that way. So first of all, let's pan way back. So Ephesians was not written in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. 
chapter 5, on and on and on. It was a full-on letter. So you have to read the full letter for context. What's going on in Ephesus? Okay, I just talked about what was happening in Acts chapter 19. Paul went into Ephesus. Okay, talked about all of that. Timothy was also in Ephesus. And now here's an actual letter being written to the Ephesians. So what were they battling? Myths from the temple of Artemis, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Myths from the temple of Artemis, as well as the endless genealogies. Where were the endless genealogies coming from? The synagogue. So that's what they were battling. And this entire letter is about unity and loving the community without becoming part of what was happening in Ephesus. So be being filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter 5, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 5, is not an ongoing being filled. What, what are you going to do to get more of the Spirit? John the Baptist said, Jesus will give the Spirit without measure. So, calm down, McMillan. Oh, just got triggered. <laughs> you receive all of the Spirit once. Remember, Romans chapter 8, he who doesn't, does not have the Spirit does not, belong to the, does not belong to the Lord. You receive the Spirit, all of the Spirit, without measure, in full. So, be filled with the Spirit is a descriptive passage. It's not a, prescriptive fo- a prescription for, but a description of. So, you got two different options here. You're filled. Or you're going to be filled if you trust Jesus. It's the same thing as when Peter said, be holy because God is holy. Oh, you need to stop this. You need to start that. Then you need to. What am I going to do to be holy enough? He's saying, be holy because that's what you are. Be filled because that's what you are. And if you're not filled, if you're not holy, how do you get filled and how do you get holy? You trust in the one whom the Father has sent once by grace through faith. Okay? What are you going to do to be repeatedly filled with the Spirit? Anything that begins with an I is a work. If it's based on a work, it's not based on grace. Therefore, it is not of God. Romans eleven six. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to be filled with the Spirit? Oh, I'm just going to increase myself. What? How? What are you going to do? I seen a TikTok and this guy was trying to explain this and he had this really big empty cup and they had this little bitty cup. And he had water and was pouring water into one and water in the other one. He was saying, you just got to make yourself bigger so you can be more filled. Like, what? How? Tell me. (laughs) Be more like you? What? What am I going to do? It's error. Let a a rule of thumb be a note for you. or um, Let this be a rule of thumb thumb or a note about anything that looks like you got to do something, it's probably describing you, Christian. (laughs) And if it's not, it's describing somebody who will believe in the future. Okay, so love your community, Ephesians. Don't be involved with all of this pagan stuff. Don't be involved with all of this stuff at the synagogue. Love one another. 
It's about love. Rooted and established in love. This has nothing to do with you doing something in order to be be filled. You know, I've got some colleagues who are like, it's, it's like a shaking up. Like you take a, and I'm not against this. I'm not picking on you guys, but they'll take like a, a, a two liter of Pepsi and they'll shake it up. And they're like, this is a BB and filled. See how it's fizzing up. I just, I don't see that. <laughs> but here's what I do know. You don't do anything to receive more of the spirit because that ignores everything that Christ did at the cross and the resurrection. And it ignores everything that happened to you the instant you trusted him. All right, let's go on to, let's see, what number am I on? Four. All right, number four. The fourth lie about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can be saved, but you still need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, (laughs) it sounds neat, but it's just not true. How am I going to be saved and I've got the Holy Spirit, but I need an anointing? What am I, what am I do? <laughs> More good stuff, less bad stuff? Nope. All of it deserves death. The best is like filthy rags. So be, here's where this, this one came from. Somebody emailed me and they said, I've been saved for years, but just recently I received the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is just repeated man-made tradition because... You know, and I replied to him. I said, well, when you, when you believed, you already received the full anointing. Here's what the Bible says about being anointed. First John chapter 2 says, we all have the anointing of the Holy One. All of us. All of us. It's, it's not a separate deal. It's not a separate event. The, the word anoint means to cover. It means to smear with. You know, before the cross, they would anoint people with oil. You know, that was symbolism. On this side of the cross, you have received the full anointing because you have received all of the Spirit. You have been baptized into Him, placed into Him, one Spirit with the Lord. You've died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Colossians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians 6. So this idea that you're saved, but now if you want to do the really awesome stuff, you got to receive started in 1901 you receive the spirit you receive the full anointing the moment you hear with faith all right all right let's go on to number five the fifth lie about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this will be on my podcast later on today. It will also be on my YouTube channel. So if you guys are just just joining me, you can always check that out later. Name of my podcast, if you're just joining me randomly, it's called Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. Search that on every major podcast platform. You can also find me on YouTube, okay? All right. So the fifth lie about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Number five. Only those who are filled with the Holy Spirit can perform deliverances. Only those who are filled with the Holy Spirit can perform deliverances. I'm not seeing it in the Bible. (laughs) I'm not seeing it. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 19, there, excuse me, in Acts chapter, sorry, burping. (laughs) In Acts chapter 19, 
there are some unbelieving exorcists in Acts chapter 19. So claiming that only those who are filled with the Holy Spirit can perform deliverances would be going against Scripture. Also, the word deliverance never describes a demon being cast out. That's man-made tradition. Now, because it's so popular, I say deliverance whenever I'm referring to demons being cast out. But having the Holy Spirit does not give you some type of authority to cast out demons. Acts chapter 19, we see unbelieving exorcists, sons of some Jewish priests from that synagogue in Ephesus, attempting to cast out demons. Now, here's here's the thing. If these individuals are exorcists, those who cast out demons, and they are known in the community to cast out demons, they do not have the Holy Spirit, but they're casting out demons. What does that say? Being saved has nothing to do with casting out demons. Also, they had no problems with the demon until they mentioned the name of Jesus. (laughs) This goes to show you that a demon who is cast out of an unbeliever will just come back. But if that person hears about Jesus, they will immediately be sealed with the Spirit, and a demon cannot enter them ever again nor touch them. This is why the demons attacked the unbelieving exorcists in Acts chapter 19. All those years they had been casting out demons, never used the name Jesus, but they see all this stuff that Paul is doing, so they're like, we should use this name Jesus. They attempt to use the name Jesus to cast out a demon, and the demon attacks them. Not one time on this side of the cross does a believer have a problem with a demon. Not once. Before the cross, yes. Why? Colossians 2.15 tells us, at the cross, Jesus disarmed the demonic realm. So when he went to the cross, he removed all of their power for everyone who would believe. This is why when you search on this side of the cross, not one time is there any indication to cast out a demon from a believer. It's not there. So believers are sealed up with the Spirit, baptized into the Spirit. If you're sealed up with the Spirit, do you think he's going to let a demon enter you with him? You're baptized, you're one spirit with him. You Come on in, demon. No. Many people will go to Mark chapter 16 and they'll say, Oh no, these signs will follow. They'll cast out demons. Mark chapter 16 verses 9 through 20 is not in the original text. Most translations will notate that. It ends at verse 8. Signs that follow will not be casting out demons. It will be loving one another. You got to deal with that. The deliverance ministries are going to go bankrupt once people understand this. The book of 1 John says the evil one cannot even touch you. It says 
and that's first John chapter five. First John chapter three says the reason why Jesus came to earth was to destroy the work of the devil. And he's done that. The demons in the book of Acts are never in believers. It's always an unbeliever. <laughs> and it's not even the goal of any of the early church to go around casting out demons. Paul ignored the demon-possessed girl for days in Acts chapter 16. Days! Don't you think he would have hunted her down as soon as he got into town and cast the demon out? No, he ignored her. Why? Because he knew as soon as I cast the demon out, he'll go get more demons and he'll come back. Jesus talks about this in the Gospels. They come back. The person has to believe. And the only way the person can believe is if they hear and believe. That's why in Acts chapter 19, the demons had no problem with the unbelieving exorcist until they used the name Jesus. Demons are not the focus of the ecclesia. Preaching the gospel is. Loving one another. Expressing Christ. Making a big deal out of the cross and the resurrection. So that lie that you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to perform deliverances, it's a big, it's a big charade. You know, and people say, well, I felt something. Okay, you felt something. The Bible doesn't tell you to feel anything or not feel anything. You feel what you feel because you feel it, because you're a human. Well, what was it? I don't know, but I know according to the Bible, the demon can't touch you. You know, sometimes when you're in a group and you're around a bunch of people doing the same thing your mind can play some tricks on you <laughs> after all everybody else is doing it after all so-and-so's doing it and they're a great godly man we cannot base our theology on emotionalism or groups the groups and the emotionalism has to be based on the truth of the gospel if it's not based on the truth of the gospel, that the demonic realm is disarmed. If it's not based on the truth of the gospel, that you're completely forgiven, that you're completely righteous, that the Holy Spirit joins you never to leave again because of what Christ did at the cross, because Christ dealt with the sin of the world. The message in those groups, the emotionalism coming from those groups do not indicate truth. All right. <clears throat> So what is the truth about being filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's the truth. The truth about being filled with the Holy Spirit is this happens once in your lifetime by grace through faith. You receive the Spirit in full without measure. Not only that, you become one spirit with him. Like cereal and milk, milk and cereal, separate yet one. You don't know where one begins and the other ends. Like a tea bag and water. Your oneness with the Holy Spirit is final. Why? Jesus. Jesus. Do you want to receive the Holy Spirit right now? You, you could have been listening to this this whole time. You don't have the Holy Spirit. You're like, this is different. Much different than what I've heard in the past. You can receive him right now. It's no special prayer you got to do. No special anything you got to go do, whatever. Trust Jesus. Trust him. Trust him.
If you did, <laughs> you are now one spirit with the Lord. You are now sealed up with the Holy Spirit. You were just crucified, buried, and resurrected instantaneously. You're a new creation. All right, guys. So I hope this has encouraged you today. I hope it's brought to light. Maybe some error. Maybe it's helped you with some of the cognitive dissonance you struggle with because daddy, don't do it, McMillan. Don't do it. <laughs> All right, guys. You should always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're blameless. You're holy. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. I love you too. I love you too. Thank you so much. There's nothing wrong with you. And you are awesome. So you should always tell the truth about yourself and always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.